0: Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by my friends Connor Allen, Sharp Clark, who gets the floor first. Fantastic week one. Clark, what's going on, buddy?
1: Not much. Uh, I think it's important to enjoy the, the best weeks, but also maintain balance and recognize that it's a long season, it's a grind, and so I'm trying to really enjoy the moment, but also focus on next week and, and make sure the results keep coming. So,
0: Very good, uh, measured promotional tweet in response to uh your week one results but again the hard work is uh it's good to see the uh hard work pay off and again like some of those lines you were able to take advantage of throughout the summer and uh luckily some subscribers were able to take advantage as well connor allen how we doing buddy
2: pretty good ended up in the black week one which honestly i feel pretty good about after double dipping on the cold situation and just being like unbelievably wrong like 100 percent, totally wrong and i'll have a public apology on friday's show about that because i said that i would wear a clown suit if uh anthony richardson passed for 250 yards did not get 250 yards but boy was he close i was sweating i was you know coming looking on amazon for clown suits talking to my wife about makeup potentially uh to see what would work so dodge the bullet there in the black can't complain too much
0: yeah, I mean the pace was such a factor there too, right? There's such play volume that even though the efficiency was down, you you know you were probably worried early when you saw it. they're just leaving 15, 17 seconds on the play clock every every single snap. So yeah, no clown suit for for Friday's uh, prop drop show. But again, if you are not aware. Uh, Move line here on Wednesdays. We're going to be here every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern on the four for four bets. YouTube channel you should be able to find the podcast in your podcast feed Wednesday evening. So subscribe to both YouTube and podcast So you don't miss a show. Um, it's simple things to support the free content by subscribing goes a long way in helping us out Uh thumbs up comment in the video. Let us know what your favorite week two look is as well. Um, and if you're hanging out with us on YouTube, do that uh, jump in the chat and let us know uh, again. Prop drop show, which Connor was just touching based on a little bit. That's our Friday show, 3 p.m. Eastern. And that is more prop centric with our boy, John Hyslop. Uh, that was, I think everything and more that I wanted it to be on the first episode. Highslop definitely brings a unique uh, angle and thought process. Uh, he will push back on Connor and his unders all season long, which is going to be interesting. And, uh, you know, interesting mindset around uh, going back to people that owe you money. Uh, so uh, again, if you like props at all, Subscribe so you don't miss the show on Friday. Uh, Those are going to be a lot of fun this season. Great time to scoop up a betting sub. As we talked about, you want to get in the Discord, uh, have the access to read the articles, everything that we have going on on 444.com, season-long, DFS, uh, anything that you're doing, any sport, uh, the betting subscription is going to get that covered for you. Get you in the Discord. You can have access to us. Ask us questions about anything that you want. Uh, All the bets are pushed through that way as well. Jump in there. Use promo code WEEK1. To celebrate uh, Sharp Clark's absolutely dominant 15-unit one-week win. But again, we want to celebrate good things. Uh, Promo code WEEK1 is going to get you 25% off. Head over to 444.com slash plants. All right, guys. Week two. Uh, Always interesting. Uh, Clark, I'd love to get your thoughts here. Because I think handicapping week two is challenging, right? We've been like just chopping at the bit for meaningful football games for like eight months. Spent all this time in the off season, forecasting, projecting, talking about player performance, team level performance, coaching changes, what we expect to see different, and then we get 60 minutes of football. And it's really difficult to put that into context. What's actionable, what's noise, small sample variance. Um, Is this a actual usage trend or change that we need to get ahead of and change what we thought, or is it something that we should probably chalk up to one week of variance? I think it's just kind of a breeding zone for confirmation bias um how do you approach week two
1: confirmation bias is a huge thing to look out for it, it's it's tough week two is tough because there's no data-based system for betting that has enough data after one week to be successful in week two right you have to use some form of priors whether that's a subject of prior or priors from last season but so much has changed that it's hard to put a lot of stock in that and so trying to identify what are the situations that we should be reacting to and what are the situations we should not be reacting to i think is the key to moving on to week two uh the, the easiest example is joe burrow had a terrible game the bengals offense was absolutely terrible but we've seen enough from the bengals offense and we know that they have the same pieces and the same offensive line that one outlier game in really awful conditions with burrow coming off an injury and and not much practice time against a really tough defense doesn't concern me um whereas a situation where there's some new pieces or some new parts and something changes i'm a little bit more likely to to make rapid adjustments on those teams
0: connor how do you discern that uh, in week two whether it's you know size totals player props because uh, it's just a lot of noise like you said you know we feel like we have some really strongly formed opinions based on all of the work we do in the offseason then we get 60 minutes of football and it's like well, what, what do we do with this now
2: Yes. I think the Cincy example is a great one that Clark laid out there, but I think one that I want to touch on as well, more of a newer situation that I had pretty strong priors on, or I guess not priors, but thoughts on would be the Indy situation. You know, I was very, very low on their offense coming in, but it was just like so clear right from the get-go. They were scheming up plays for Anthony Richardson. They were getting guys wide open and Anthony Richardson was executing on top of that. So like there was very clear signals to me that like I needed to just change my opinion immediately. And that maybe it's not gonna be like an elite offense or anything, but like, from a prop standpoint, and for sure, from an offensive efficiency standpoint, they're going to be able to move the ball consistently. I almost equated to kind of like what we saw from Brian Dable and the New York Giants last year in terms of like making life easy on third downs, you know, basically squeezing every edge as much as possible. So even though Daniel Jones wasn't good last year, even though the receivers weren't awesome, they're still able to run like a relatively competent offense with those pieces just because of the scheming and coaching ability there. So I would say adjusting for your priors in those newer situations is totally fine. Uh, But yeah, like, if that Bengals game happened in like week six, no one would have been like batting an eye. Everyone would be like, ah, whatever happens. It's one game. But it's because it's week one. Everyone's like freaking out like, oh, well, the Burrow, you know, is Burrow done? Is Bengal, are the Bengals done? Like that just everyone needs to calm down and then, uh, you know, go from there.
0: 49ers lost to the Bears in week one last season. Now, I know that that was a, uh, you know, quagmire of uh, field conditions and lots of different stuff, but like, I think to summarize kind of what both guys said there stay pliable in terms of new information. Uh, You, you want to have some conviction on the thoughts and takes that you formed on some of these teams coming into the season, but be open to new information, be open to new things that your eyes see that the data tells us uh, and to be able to make informed decisions. And I think that that's probably just good process as the season goes along anyway, right? Week two, week 16 um, continue to, to evolve. Not everything can be simply plugged in uh, to spit out into uh, inputs and and plugged into a model and and spit back out of results. So uh, be able to stay pliable with that information. With that said, let's jump into week two games. We're going to talk about a handful of our favorites and then maybe some other random bets and things that we like here at the back end here. We're going to start in Atlanta. This is a a Sharp Clark special. We got Green Bay on the road in Atlanta. Let me see where our uh, numbers are at currently price-wise. Uh, we have Green Bay, one and a half point favorites, uh, minus 104 on FanDuel. Total here is at 40 and a half. Uh, Falcons, very popular sleeper team, buzzy NFC South pick as the season got closer here. Clark, early adapter there for sure. I mean, I think you were firing Falcons bets uh, to win the division over in like May when this market first opened. That also went on a limb in our um, divisional preview series, picking the Packers to be your NFC Super Bowl club. Both teams got off to a good start in one the first week of the season. Uh, so we're making you pick between your children. And Nate Clark, I'll let you get started with Packers Falcons.
1: <laughs> well, I was a little disappointed, and this is this is where I talk about confirmation bias. I was looking for the Atlanta Falcons offense to to be you know really well designed, creative, setting up easy throws for Desmond Ritter, and it just didn't look good. Now the Panthers defense is very good, um, and and it looked like you know playing with the lead with Bryce Young making mistakes. They didn't really have to do too much on offense, so. Some of me is is reserving judgment a little bit for like, okay, let's see how this offense develops over the course of the year. But overall, I was very underwhelmed with what I saw from Atlanta um, offensively. Green Bay, I was a little bit more impressed with. I thought Jordan Love was asked to do a bit more than what Desmond Ritter was asked to do. Uh, but there's a bunch of injuries in this game coming up. So I, I would be hesitant to fire on Green Bay with Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Quay Walker, and Christian Watson, uh, all at least questionable, if not out. Um, so I would I would be keeping an eye on that injury report because Aaron Jones was a massive part of that Green Bay win last week um, so without Aaron Jones without Christian Watson the, the weapons start going down and it's just a lot to ask of a, a young quarterback and Jordan Love is still developing Atlanta's defense looked pretty good against Carolina that was a, a bright spot for me. Um, and, you know, my biggest angle on the Falcons coming into the year was their schedule. And guess what? One of the toughest games on their schedule was the Jets. And now, now they don't have to face Aaron Rodgers. So this, this might not have been the easiest schedule in the history of the NFL. Uh, but as far as this week goes, um, you know, Atlanta healthy at home. If this spread creeps up to three, especially with those injuries, I'd be super interested. Uh, but I think right before the show, there might have been some interest on Atlanta. So it looks like this one's going to stay under a field goal, which, which is probably a stay away from me, depending on the injuries
0: probably driven by some of the late injury news here with uh, Aaron Jones not practicing today. As you mentioned, you know, Christian Watson, again, um, some injuries on the defensive side as well. But TRM imagine is what we see every Wednesday is probably just veteran rest day, but again, situations to monitor for sure. Yeah. I mean, Jordan love looked good. I thought, I mean, they let him cook a little bit 10.4 a dot. I thought his pocket presence was really good. Chicago helps that, but a few times that they actually did, get pressure on him Um, I think he navigated it well that was encouraging to see um so yeah I'm I'm excited about that especially again without Christian Watson in that matchup as well uh like you said opposite for Desmond Ritter that was not very impressive and almost Marcus Mariota-esque which was uh not great to see 3.2 a dot 22 uh drop backs 18 attempts not great uh Connor what are your thoughts here again on paper this looks like a great matchup for Atlanta who likes to run the ball. The Packers' run defenses struggled quite a bit, though so they were decent in week one.
2: Yeah, they played really well in week one, but I think that more so had to do with the Bears' lack of functioning than the uh, Packers, you know, being really that successful on the defensive side here. And also, when we consider Atlanta, like Atlanta, in my opinion, is like an elite running team. Like they're just incredible, like very, very good at what they do. And it's a lot different than what the Bear, how the Bears run the ball. So it's, I think, just different in a sense. So I still expect them to have plenty of success here on the ground. Um, in terms of the Falcons' defense, though, one thing that I noted—obviously they looked really good. They were getting pressure to, you know, Bryce Young. They were locking down the receivers. But I don't really want to double count that because I already anticipated the Panthers' offense really struggling because of the offensive line, because the receivers were dust. And I think that Atlanta probably took a, took a step forward, but we won't really know how big of a step forward that is until they get a little bit more, I think, competition under their belt. So for me, it's a little bit more of a wait and see. Now I'm not really s- s- sure that this is like a great matchup either. Yeah. To like, so you're talking about next know. year? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And that be the case like it's kind of like what we saw from the eagles like yeah like the eagles defense was number one and everything but they played like three teams last year and then got like let up 30 points and then lo and behold they let up 35 in the super bowl 38 in super bowl the chiefs you know shocker um but anyways in this specific spot it's kind of gross like i know the pace is not going to be there i know that um you know i don't necessarily love to bet an over here but like i think both teams will have some success here offensively um and i think that there's the green bay defense is not as good as they looked against chicago Um, and then Atlanta's defense, or I think Green Bay's offense can be as explosive enough to kind of like expose this Atlanta defense from time to time. So it's a lean, you know, nothing that I'm like super excited about. But if I had to make a play on the game, it would be like an over on. I think we're seeing 40 and a half right now. Uh, um 40 and a half on, yeah,
0: yeah, 40 and a half on FanDuel. Um, is what I'm seeing. Yeah, it's pretty much across the board. So
2: it might go down, honestly. I mean, I it would not surprise me to continue to go down, but if you ever get to 39 and a half, 39, I would definitely consider an over there for sure.
0: I think the Aaron Jones news is probably pretty crucial, uh, in my opinion. There, Clark, what do you get?
1: I was gonna say. I know some people like to live bet, and this is the kind of game where I feel like the team that has the lead is probably in a good position to win. Like both both teams are probably going to be able to salt away a win, um, and both quarterbacks, I think, especially depending on what weapons are available for Green Bay, might struggle in in sort of a you know we need points quickly kind of mode. So,
0: yeah, we are seeing some. Uh, Falcons action now as we as we speak too. So uh but that is a good point, kind of moving down to one in most spots. So yeah. You know, injury news is gonna be important. We'll watch one uh that one as it uh continues to develop. Some injury news in this next one, too. Chargers are on the road in Tennessee. Uh FanDuel has uh the Chargers minus three at minus one oh five, total here forty-five as well. Uh I think the Chargers-Dolphins game kind of as expected, maybe one of the better games to watch in week one. Pretty highly efficient uh, offensive football for the most part. Chargers led the league with a 58.8% success rate in week one. Probably not going to be able to do that here. A lot of that came on the ground. We know the Titans have an outstanding run defense. It was the strength coming into the season. They allowed the lowest success rate in week one. Uh, Some injuries here too. Looks like DeAndre Hopkins popped up. uh, Did not practice on Wednesday. Same with uh Austin Eckler Brandon Staley said he was dealing with an ankle injury he missed practice on Wednesday as well Wednesday practices more than anything obviously taken with a grain of salt sometimes you just have some managed veteran rest days especially if someone got dinged up a little bit we'll have to watch this on Thursday or Friday as they come along uh Clark I'm really worried about Ryan Tannehill I know you took a position early in the week on the Titans um yeah I I would love Love to know, did you watch rewatch this game? Because Tannehill looked just absolutely disastrous to me.
1: Yeah, Tannehill was bad. Um, I, I still like Titans plus three here. Um, the you know <laughs> this is how bad they were: two of twelve on third down with three interceptions. Uh, the Titans last week against the Saints. Um, but here's here's the good news. All right, now here's the Chargers defense last week. Miami gained 30 first downs in that game, and they only got to third down nine times. Uh, They converted four of those nine. So they got 26 first downs before they even got to third down. Uh, That's really, really bad, obviously. Uh, I was highly concerned about what I saw from the Chargers defense. And I think the Titans offense is the type of offense that that is like incrementally, uh, you know, needs those increments to really take advantage and run the ball. Like for for some reason, they didn't really run Derrick Henry much. Uh, they weren't very successful on the ground. Everything was forced through the air and they don't have the weapons for that. But if they can run the ball against the Chargers defense, uh, I know Miami did it through the air most of the day, but we saw all last year the Chargers struggled on the ground. Then I think that takes so much pressure off and Tannehill is so comfortable playing from play action. He's so comfortable with third and short that they can get into if they have a successful run game or a successful short passing game. I think it's going to be a completely different situation for Tennessee. This was also sort of a You know, preseason game for the Titans offense. We've seen this with so many quarterbacks where they don't play in the preseason at all, and then they stink it up in week one, and then by the end of the year, it's like, oh yeah, that was just an aberration. You know, think about Aaron Rodgers. uh, You know, last year and the year before, it happens. I we have a whole careers worth of Tannehill being a good quarterback. I'm not ready to give up after one bad game against what is probably a decent New Orleans defense. Um, The Chargers offense. I'm worried about Austin Eckler. I think Hopkins is probably just a rest day, but. E- Eckler got his ankle rolled up on and you know, as a potential for ankle sprain he missed today. I think the official reason he missed today was like attending a funeral or something, but watching the practice reports on Thursday and Friday matters because the Chargers' offense really needs Eckler another running back that really makes a difference. Um, so if that's bad news, then I think Titans plus three is a great bet.
0: Yeah. The Eckler news would be vital. I mean, he's a key part instead of like the checkdowns, it was him on the ground a lot last week too. Um, we didn't really see what we were maybe hoping for Connor from like his high-powered, fast-paced, up-tempo offense from the Chargers. Well, they were still pretty good, and we saw some encouraging signs. Um, talk to me about the spot.
2: Yeah, I think in Clark's right-up, he noted that a lot of that was on the ground. I mean, I think both teams had some of the best running games on the ground. I believe it was Ben Solek said that they had one of the best running games in like NFL history on the ground, technically. And so, yeah, obviously, that makes sense, though, I think, because Miami was daring them to run at times, one, and two, like – the way that Vic Fangio played the defense was exactly how we said it was going to play. So that was the one thing we got right in last week's episode was that they were going to try and keep the ball in front of them. And it was a lot of dinks and dunks and you know, like the they not, did not skyrocket as we expected there. Now I think this is an entirely different scenario here because we've seen Kellen Moore in the past, basically entirely scheme changes scheme to the opponents. Like we saw it in Dallas, Tampa I think is obviously the most easy one to note. Threw the ball, like 60 times against the Tampa Bay run defense. That was incredible. Now Again, I don't want to assume rational coaching, but that is absolutely what they have to do against Tennessee because the Tennessee run defense, awesome. I don't know understand what New Orleans was doing, wasting time running the ball. The secondary, I mean, I think that the pass rush looked a little bit better than I thought, but the secondary, I mean, Card averaged nine yards per attempt, threw for over three hundred yards. Like it wasn't consistent, but there were big plays frequently to Olave, to Michael Thomas, to Rashid Rashid Shahid. You know, like. I don't the Titans defense is kind of exactly what I thought it was. Now it depends on a coordinator basis, like a week to week basis, like who's gonna actually play into that. And I don't think the Saints did it enough. Um, but I just don't know if they were well equipped enough on the offensive line compared to the Chargers, who I think match up maybe a little bit better in that sense. Now, not having Eckler obviously uh, doesn't help, you know, like it kind of reduces one of the safety blankets there if they do try and go deep. So I'm cautiously optimistic on the Chargers being able to score, but I also think that the Titans are gonna be able to score as well. As you mentioned, the run defense there is a big matchup, and after uh, defensively the Chargers did such a great job scheming against Miami they completely abandoned that um you know they're like press man they played man still but Miami kind of counteracted it by spreading everyone out and like just basically letting their guys win and uh that obviously doesn't bode well for anyone on island against Tyree killer Jalen Waddle so I don't have much confidence in the Chargers kind of stopping this Titans uh running offense and I think if you get that going a little bit more will have a little bit more success in this one so um I would say I, le- I like the Chargers team total at half. I thought that was a, is a pretty good look. But you're laying a little bit of juice on that on the over, um, but I think t- the Tennessee can keep up with them. So I don't not like super excited to lay minus three on the Chargers, even though I do think they have some offensive su- success here.
0: Yeah, I mean, so the A dot was a little bit better. The Dink Dunk was a little bit less um, check down rate was like eleven point six last year. It was like nine and change. Um, a dot was up almost a full yard. Um, so you know, again, small sample. Same thing. I also don't want to overrate the sample of, of one game against the Chargers defense when like, Tyree Kill and no version of anything that even resembles Tyree Kill is suiting up for the Tennessee Titans in this game to put pressure on that defense like he was able to do. And they did some really cool stuff with Tyree Kill, which is a lot of fun to watch. So that's kind of my concern. I don't want to overrate being down on the Chargers defense overall. Tannehill thing again, like I don't want to like lean into what we talked about at the top, was you know, anchoring to a preseason like handicap, but and the Saints defense is good. And we know historically at home, um, you know, Dennis Allen can cook some stuff up. Tannehill had the league's worst completion percentage over expectation, uh minus 16.1% in week one. We thought this by far was the consensus. Anyone who measures or really knows that or like a name that you would value in terms of their thoughts around offensive line play had the Titans offensive line is the worst in the league. They held up pretty well in week one. Only the chiefs and Packers had a better time to pressure rate in week one. Tannehill still went down on nearly 30% of his pressures, which is among one of the worst in the league at about right in line with his 2022 dip, which is part of my concern. Um, He didn't look like a willing runner. He had opportunities to do so. We ran like twice for three yards and scrambles. Um, That's not great. Um, And as Clark mentioned, they failed to do anything. Actually, it was, they could have just taken a knee on third down and been better off than what happened there. Uh, Two of 12 with three turnovers. So um, I want to see it a little bit from Tannehill. I think three, three and a half where Clark got it early is probably the right side. Um, But again, I think the Eckler news makes a a ton of difference here and want to wait and see here what happens with that. But, yeah, I mean the offensive line for the Chargers needs to play better too. Because late in that game, when they needed to protect and make some plays and get down and get in field goal range, the Dolphins pinned their ears back and got to ten, or got to uh, Justin Herbert with no problem. And the Titans can do that if that puts them, you know, if they get in that situation. So um, without without Eckler, we're in a, a world of of hurt.
1: Yeah, the Titans defense might the defensive front in particular might be one of the best in the NFL. And, and if you look at how they played good teams in the past, last year they kept Kansas City to 17 points in regulation. They kept the Bengals to 20, the Chargers to 17, the Jaguars to 20. The year before, they held the Bengals to 19, the Chiefs to three. Like they've had several really good games against elite quarterbacks. Now, the exception is they allowed 31 and 38 points to Buffalo. So I don't know if Josh Allen's mobility really messes with the way Titans play defense, but like for the most part, they've really put the hampers on. I don't know what hampers even means, but they put the clamps on really good uh, elite quarterbacks in the last couple of years. Mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. All
0: right, uh, let's go to our next one. We have uh, Baltimore at Cincinnati. Let's see where we're at here. Friends at FanDuel have the Bengals 3.5 point favorites, minus 105, Uh, also minus 105 on the total, which is 46.5 I think pretty lackluster start for both clubs. The Bengals clearly worse Um, Browns defense, I think deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, Clark, I know you are concerned about this Baltimore offense. And When we saw first here in that week, one game, even though it was a win there against the Texans uh, thoughts on Baltimore, Cincinnati.
1: It's easy to point out teams that I'm not shifting dramatically on, which we talked about at the front, the Bengals Uh, I'm actually shifting dramatically on the Ravens and I'm shifting down. I was very, very unimpressed with their offense against the Texans. The Texans defense, you know, while it may be slightly underrated, they were missing. They started the game down one safety, and then they lost their other starting safety in game. Despite that, the Ravens were really, really bad on offense. They had short fields and still only put up 25 points. Like the Texans could do nothing. They just kept getting the ball back. Uh, they lost J.K. Dobbins, and now they've lost their two best offensive linemen in Lindebaum and Ronnie Stanley. They both might miss this upcoming game. This is a downhill, you know, slide for this offense. And coming in, I was skeptical because I've never seen Lamar Jackson really be the kind of quarterback that can sit in the pocket and anticipate routes and like timing throws the way Joe Burrow does, for example. And that's what they asked him to do in this game against Houston. And what I saw was a quarterback that waited too long, too many late throws, too much hesitation. He got sacked on four out of his, I think, 26 dropbacks. That's a really bad number for a guy with Jackson's mobility. This, to me, is a big problem moving forward, and now they're going into Cincinnati to play a fired-up defense, coming off a big loss. Um, this is not a situation that I'm excited to back the Ravens, um, and long-term, I'm concerned as well. Uh, now, that can change, right? I mean, this is a new offense. It might take time for Lamar Jackson to really implement the things that Todd Munkin's asking him to do. He's got some new weapons, and and you know he might get Mark, Mark Andrews back, which would obviously help um but this is something that i've got to see it to believe it and my initial pullback on this team is very dramatic pulling them down on offense um so that's that's my takeaway i like the Bengals in this game to bounce back after a tough loss
0: yeah i think stanley and linderbaum are like i think they haven't been officially ruled out but it looks like they're out they're going to be out this game and maybe more um so that's a that's a big big problem same thing, marcus williams missed big chunk last year um, at safety, and that's torn his pec. That's a problem. J.K. Dobbins looked really good. He's done for the year again with an Achilles. Uh, poor guy tried to hold in and leverage himself for a contract and then blows out his Achilles. It's, you hate to see that for the guy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Burrow was pressured on nearly 30% of the drawbacks, knocked down eight times, most in the league, not good. He uh, faced a blitz on almost 42% of the drawbacks, too. It worked. This is another example of what Clark talked about earlier. This is a guy who – Needed the preseason in week one, did not have it, and it looked like he didn't have it. There was a lot of rust there. Um, Connor, I'll give you the floor here. Talk to me about the uh, ravens bengals
2: Yeah, I kind of agree with Clark. It was extremely underwhelming. But at the same time, I want to say that I think that there's a possibility that what we saw is not necessarily what we'll see the rest of the year. And my take on that is that Mark Andrews was not there, who's been by far you know, Lamar Jackson's favorite target I mean, for the, his entire career, basically, at this point. And then you have... A guy coming off of Liz Frank and Rashad Bateman who only played 57% of the snaps. And then you have Odell Beckham Jr. who hasn't played football in 400 days. And then you have a rookie in Zay Flowers who absolutely dominated and looked awesome. But I mean, I I don't know if your entire offense can run through just a rookie and then two other guys who have question marks. So like, I think that there's room for potential optimism. So I understand why you downgraded them so heavily right away, but I think that we could see something different as soon as kind of all those pieces mesh a little bit better, maybe in a couple of weeks and maybe that's not here. So that might not be relevant to today's handicap either. Um, And in this point, like we mentioned, we're not overreacting to Cincinnati personally. I'm kind of just staying away from this game because of that, because we just saw the down from Cincinnati. We just saw pretty underwhelming from Baltimore. I don't don't think that's going to get better right away. So for me, it's kind of a stay away because it seems like a pretty volatile scenario where maybe either one of those teams just snaps out of it and bounces right back and is right back themselves. Um, And, then we'll be wrong i know you played What was it cincinnati money line clark is that what your lean was so yeah i mean it makes sense to me um especially considering i think baltimore is kind of maybe breakout i would say is probably like two three weeks away
0: yeah i lean that way too with what clark did um the baltimore injuries i think are problematic um what's interesting and we'll see this later. My takeaway from rewatching Baltimore Houston is I'm I'm kind of excited about D'Amico Ryans in Houston. Um, I thought again, with kind of a depleted unit there, especially in the back half, like Jalen Petrie is really good for them last year. He like had a, like his lung was bleeding to go to the hospital. They were already playing with other backup safeties. I thought they played really well and did some interesting stuff and, and made things pretty challenging for, for Baltimore times uh, based off of what they were expecting. But yeah, I mean, 4.9 4.9 ADOT, uh not what we were expecting. Yeah, they use Zay Flowers a ton, but his dot was like less than three yards, just like Debo Samuel style. They was just scheming him like very short intermediate stuff and, and letting him create. Houston did them a huge blessing. They missed 14 tackles, uh, which is like by far the most in the league. So they benefited from that. It's something that I wouldn't go too heavy. I want to stay away. But I, again, long-term bullish on the Bengals coming into the season, I thought just kind of a bad spot bad weather um i think the defense can still be a problem here for for baltimore while they figure some stuff out but mark andrews makes a massive difference too so i'll be on the sideline for the most part here but definitely an important game and definitely i think will go a long way in shaping uh, the next couple of weeks handicaps for these couple clubs because uh, they're teams that we expected to be in or near the playoffs or near the top so they're going to be interesting to see
1: yeah we we, we mentioned brandon williams but marlon Humphrey is also someone to watch on the injury report because if if Barrow's receivers can get open right, right away. Then that really changes the dynamic of the offense. Yep.
0: Good point. Good point. Next, uh, another injuries. Uh, well, it's where we're at. Injuries need to monitor Kansas. Kansas city is on the road in Jacksonville. Uh, let's see where we are at currently. FanDuel has uh, Kansas city, three and a half point favorites. I uh, shot this around. There's some uh, different prices. Uh, plus 100 on Caesars. If you happen to like that side, uh, 51 and a half is the total on FanDuel some 51s out there as well. Um, good case for Travis Kelsey for MVP. Uh, pretty much all that's been said about the Chiefs' week one pass-catching performance has already been said. Uh, I think on top of that, the Lions did a pretty good job of defending the run there. The Chiefs kind of, again, another thing that was like, Kadarius Tony bailed out Sky Moore, and Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore bailed out the run-blocking game and the running backs because the Lions really stuffed the run there as well. Uh, went nearly as poorly as it possibly could for the Chiefs in a game without Travis Kelsey, without Chris Jones, and they still almost won the game. Uh, Didn't happen until really late in the game where uh, Detroit took control there. And again, like, it's an incredible pick six. Uh, That should never happen in a million years. That's just, there's so many different things here that could have gone significantly different. Chris Jones is back. Um, didn't really get paid, but got some incentives, I guess, and he's good to go. It looks like he'll be back here. Kelsey practicing, trending in the right di- direction as well. That matters. Uh, these two clubs met twice last year, Clark, uh, once in November, 27 17 Chiefs. And then, of course, in the divisional round, 27 uh, 20, where KC won there again. Uh, Jacksonville looked pretty good, uh, took advantage of maybe one of the worst defenses in the league. Talk to me about this spot.
1: The Chiefs are a better team. If Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey are there, obviously. The game's in Jacksonville, which matters a little bit to the number, which is why it's so low. I think it got pushed to three and a half before this uh, podcast kicked off. Uh, I, you know, Chris Jones matters a ton. I'm not as concerned about Travis Kelsey. I, I, it was great to have a positive news report on him playing this week, and hopefully he can go. If you're a Chiefs backer, but I am less concerned about what the offense looks like without Travis Kelsey than I think most people. Uh, one of the things that that led to such a bad performance last week was they anticipated having Travis Kelsey until two days before kickoff. And so you, you talk about Andy Reid having all this time to prepare the game and and the game plan, and then having to take Travis Kelsey, the centerpiece of the game plan out of it and have two days to kind of wrestle together a seven wide receiver offensive game plan. I understand why they looked underwhelming. Um, Whereas this week, knowing that Travis Kelsey may not go, I think they're going to be much more prepared and much more diverse game plan ready. Uh, And then the other thing is the drops, obviously like, some of those were tough catches. I'm not saying it was all like easy passes that would drop. Some of those were really tough, but those come and go. These receivers aren't trash. They're they're not bad. And Patrick Mahomes will find them and continue to play at a high level. So I'm optimistic the Chiefs offense will bounce back regardless, and I'm optimistic the Chiefs defense will – feast against a Jags offensive line missing cam Robinson to suspension and now maybe Brandon Scherf to injury so that's another you know it's Wednesday so it's injury report day right Uh, keep an eye on Scherf because if he's out this Chiefs defensive line is going to have the advantage Um, and we saw what the Jags defense was unable to do against Anthony Richardson Uh, doesn't leave me with a lot of hope they'll be able to do much against Kansas City and another team another good team coming off a loss in week one that has Super Bowl aspirations this is just not a game the chiefs are going to take lightly 10 days to prepare everything points chiefs for me, which is why we saw the number tick up. I don't love it above three. I think there's too many, you know, too many games where the chiefs win by three, especially with an elite quarterback on the other side of the field. Uh, But I liked it three and and under three before the uh, Chris Jones news dropped.
0: Yeah. I think Trevor Lawrence played terrific football, um, put really good, got the ball out quick on targets and Connor Calvin Ridley, uh, Everything that we thought, maybe and more, and probably one of the biggest, like, just 30 minutes into week one. And I'm like, why didn't we bang Calvin Ridley in a dome against the league's worst, like, past, or, like, I don't know, that secondary's terrible. Uh, why were we not banging Calvin Ridley overs in week one? I don't know why, but yeah, they looked really good. Offensively, Travis Etienne played pretty well, got involved in the passing game. They're going to have to lean pass heavy. We've seen this in the two matchups last year. They've skewed very much pass heavy, uh, basically like 10 15% higher than their standard rate. We're going to see a lot of Trevor Lawrence, a lot of pressure on him to get things done here. What are your thoughts on Chiefs-Jags?
2: Yeah, my initial notes had calvin ridley like in there and like overs and i bet it in on those prize pick slips or whatever like all that junk and i won one of them and i was like didn't even remember betting it because i was kicking myself for not not just smashing all the overs but yeah i think that's a a massive note but i think it is worth noting i mean the gold secondary is trash like let's be real like they're they're not very good so like i mean he was like dog walking them out there but i mean i i I don't know i mean maybe he'll do that all season but like those guys kind of suck so like i think in most scenarios, he'll probably be able to win. It just might be a little bit more difficult for him to win literally every single play uh, that he was out there. So um, this one match was specifically, I think the Clark hit on most of the major points that I had, like don't overreact to the drops. Like they could have easily won if that, if they had caught like there's going to like one or two of those, like they were also in very high leverage situations, like situations where they needed to catch the ball, like third down, you know, fourth down, or like in the, the t- enemy territory, like, those are the situations where they absolutely needed to catch it, and they just, like, were let down, basically. So I think the Chiefs' offense will be totally fine, even if Travis Kelsey's, like, half health, doesn't play. I think they'll be completely fine in this one. I would consider betting an over here. I mean, it's already at 51 and a half, but I have a lot of confidence in this Jags' offense kind of being able to hang with the Chiefs here Um, if the Chiefs do put up a number on them. I guess my only worry would be, like, if neither team, you know, kind of as, like, a, either team is, like, a rocky start here, but, like, we could see fireworks in this game late. Like it could be reminiscent of like chiefs bucks in in the, the playoffs a couple years ago where they had like 20 points before and then combined like 28 in the last fourth quarter, you know, something like that. So, uh, I'm confident in the over here potentially, but that would be my only look in this one.
0: Yeah. That hook makes me nervous. Um, mm-hmm. a little bit there in the total, but again, yeah. I think Clark makes a good point. Brandon Sheriff, I think matters. And, uh, you want to see the injury news on, on share for the offensive line, too, because, again, Chris Jones comes in and makes a, a pretty big impact. But yeah, going to be a fun one. Uh, again, two teams we expect to be in the mix in the playoffs. Again, I, I think we're going to see have a couple of these situations. Trevor Lawrence attempts looks very interesting in the prop markets. Uh, we talked earlier, Justin Herbert attempts looks interesting uh, in that matchup as well. I think we see some, uh, some play volume, if nothing else, in those games.
1: Yeah, and, and remember oh, last year. Oh good. Sorry, real quick, the Chiefs beat like blew them out in the regular season, and then they were winning by 10 late in a game that Mahomes missed time and couldn't even walk. Uh they backdoored the 10 point spread or whatever it was. So like unless you think that the gap has closed dramatically, like I think this spread it spreads a little low. Uh you know, maybe Calvin really does account for that, but they also lost linemen, So you gotta, you gotta think about that.
0: All right, next uh, Sunday nighter, we have uh, Miami in New England. I think it's important to note that New England is going to be wearing uh, Pat the Patriot and the red jerseys here. Uh, so old school helmet, uh, red jerseys. We're dialing it back, back to the uh, to the 80s. I don't know, if Clark, if you've captured that in the model. I think it is important. Um, Miami, three-point favorites here in FanDuel, minus 105, total 46.5. Uh, we talked earlier about Miami's offense firing on all cylinders against the Chargers. Uh, Tua played especially the second half pretty spectacular football. Uh, I talked to earlier briefly. Mike Lee Daniel, I thought, did a tremendous job at scheming Tyreek Hill open. Those little like they put him not even at like tight end or like at it was almost like a halfback at, at the line, just a little bit back, and they just kind of would like motion them out. They're like cheating. It was almost like Canadian Football League where they can get like a head start, like you just and they still try to press. To a nonstop. He just had no chance. Uh, he was running free all over the place. Um, Patriots had a game that I think will probably have a lot. I think they played pretty well. They were able to slow down a pretty good Philly uh, offense, mostly in the back of their defense, who so played pretty good. And there wasn't enough. And uh, I think that might be the case again here this week. Three is interesting. I know we talked about this. Connor Love this in the preseason at two. Now we're out to, to three a little bit here. Offensive line injuries as well become a problem here. Trent Brown uh, starting left tackle. Not a practice today. Right tackle Riley Reef on IR just before the season started. Their two starting t- uh, guards did not play in week one. They look like they're maybe trending in the right direction here. But, man, this could be a massive issue here if New England does not have The majority of their offensive linemen, Connor, I'll give you the floor for Dolphins Patriots.
2: Yeah, I think the Patriots, like you said, they looked good. They played well and they still lost. And the issue is with their schedule coming up, like it's just not going to be that easy. Uh, Now the Jets, you know, Aaron Rodgers getting hurt against like is a big deal. But even then, I think they probably split them. I think they probably go one and one. So we'll see. Um, I think that this game particularly I just could not have been more impressed with, with with the way that Tua played last year. I mean, he literally, you know, was, I think, played the best game of his, his career. And then the the play where he was pressured, stepped up, and then launched the ball to Tyreek in between the safety and the corner was just, I mean, it can't get much better than that. So if he continues to improve, like, I legitimately think that this offense is, the sky's the limit here. I've already mentioned on previous episodes that I think the New England's defense is a little bit overrated. They played Philly really well, uh, especially down the stretch there. But uh, I think this could be a spot here where you know Miami ends up taking advantage of this New England defense in, in a couple ways here. Now that being said, New England did play them pretty well uh, defensively last year. I think it was like uh, what was it, twenty and twenty-three points? But some of those are thirty-three, but two of those were defensive scores in the second game. So it's not like their offense was just like absolutely lighting them up. And that was when we you know we already had like the Dolphins' full stride offense basically at that point. So. I don't know. I think in this spot here, I, I still like Miami at like less than a three, but at three, it becomes a little bit more difficult because I think they get the job done again. Um, but the Patriots offense to me showed a lot more than I would have anticipated. Kendrick Bourne, you know, I guess acting as their number one receiver, even without Devonte Parker with a Juju Smith-Schuster in and out of the lineup, like, and still being productive, I think was pretty impressive. So having a competent offensive coordinator was definitely good for them. Uh, and, Maybe think that maybe they're not be able to like, stick in games with their offense, but at least be able to keep it a little bit closer and not get completely blown out every single game.
0: Gently walking it back there. Uh, in a spot where Kendrick Bord and Kayshawn Booty are your two um, uh, leading wide receivers in terms of route participation, it's not, not a great sign. I don't think they want Mac Jones dropping back 58 times. Uh, especially in, in the spot against a team that can bring a lot of pressure, though New England went toe to toe in terms of like pressure rate. They were they made it really hard on Jalen Hurts all day. So you know, big task for Miami's offensive line. Taron Armstead I think is practicing today, or maybe trending in the right direction. That'd be good news for Miami. Um, Clark Connor's walking back his. New England stuff a little bit there, very, 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 very lightly. Very but lightly. I was so far
2: down, like I was like, so I was like worst team in the league, deep end, you know, like.
0: Okay, that's fair. Well, Clark also had some pretty strong takes around Miami, and his handicap preseason was, uh, I would say, somewhat, you know, anti-Tua, uh, Tua and on. I don't know if they found you yet or co- it came. Yeah, uh, they're uh, okay. coming. They're right. coming. Uh, where are we at after one week?
1: Um, oh, I just re ran my model uh with the uniform update and I had <laughs> by nine, so
0: yes, that's good. That's
1: good. <laughs> uh, just oh, kidding. Man. Gonna go try to cancel those off
0: those lows are so clean, those uniforms are clean. I don't know why they went away from them.
1: This is a, this is a massive game for Tua. Um, you know, yes, he had a massive game last week and, and really jumped off the page, jumped off the film. This is a Patriots defense that has some film on him now, right? We've only seen Tua and Mike McDaniel play against the Patriots once, and that was in Week One of last year when there was no film. And the Patriots actually did a very good job against him. They the Dolphins scored twenty points, but uh, one of those touchdowns was a fumble recovery touchdown. So thirteen offensive points they put up last year. Uh, now they're going into New England. Uh, you know, with the the offense looking as good as it has ever looked. Uh, but if he can do it against a Bill Belichick defense that is ready for him, ready, you know, with the film ready and all that kind of stuff, that's really impressive to me. Um, I, I it's tough to go against Miami after they were my highest graded offense of of the entire week last week, um, and that means a lot to me. Um, but it is a tough matchup, so I'm not I'm not slamming the the bed on the Dolphins. Um, one thing that is I found interesting looking back on this on these matchups is that Tua is actually four and zero against the Patriots in his career which was surprising to me, uh, just considering especially that before Mike Medano came to town, the Dolphins weren't particularly good, especially on offense. Um, so that's that's an interesting, could just be, you know, small sample size, variance, all kinds of stuff happening in those games. not like the Patriots were great during those games either. Um, but what I was really impressed with against the Eagles for the Patriots was the diversity of their offense. They really took the pressure off Mac Jones. I mean, he made some nice throws, uh, but everything was – you know structured it reminded me of his rookie year where everything was easy uh, you know single coverage opportunities were set up to where all he has to do is think okay this receiver is going to be coming back to the sideline 10 yards downfield i can anticipate it and i he has to anticipate it because he has no velocity on the ball but he does anticipate it and he just he throws it where the receiver is going to end up and then the receiver runs there and the ball's there Um, If he can keep doing that, then I think the Patriots can have much more success than they had last year. So consider me to be uh, a little more optimistic on the Patriots than I was coming in. Their schedule is still going to be a problem, Um, but I think in this matchup, this is an exciting one. I can't wait to watch it. Um, I don't really have a strong uh, play on this one. This is one where I'm waiting on both these teams to make adjustments, and this game is going to be a huge data point for me.
0: Yeah, I was encouraged for New England to, to play that well against the front of Philadelphia without their starting guards, without their starting right tackle. Um, Again, the, some situations that uh, I'm sure they would love to have back. But again, they had a shot at the end and we're still in the mix there. I think Christian Gonzalez played really well. Again, very unusual. Like New England, again, ma- I'm, you know mapping out, projecting defensive snaps. New England is a nightmare because they are very matchup specific. The fact that they gave Christian Gonzalez, 100% of his snaps in his first game as a rookie, it's very unusual for New England to do for really anyone. Um, I think that adds some confidence in the new element of speed and playmaking that they didn't have. Um, Kyle Duggar's guy that you know New England fans have really enjoyed, but consistently playing 65 70% of the snaps. Now on every down player, um, those things I think are going to be beneficial to this defense why – you know, I continue to be bullish on this defense. So Miami does have some of the tools in, in the tool shed here that no one else does. I'll be interested to see. It's going to be a great game to watch for sure. So, um, yeah, if, if you find a two and a half, that makes some sense to me. Um, as three, as of now, as Clark would say, probably lands there, um, a fair amount of times in terms of distribution of scores, I would probably stay away and, uh, and hold off on that. So, um, how about some other stuff on the board? Anything else that you guys like? There is a, There is a like square Moneyline parlay out here that is like just smacking you in the face. Um, And I want you guys to poke a hole in this. uh, Minus 106 on FanDuel, plus 101 on DraftKings. It is the Niners, it is the Cowboys, and it is the Bills. Um, They are a little bit above where you maybe want to get them into a long teaser because you're not going to be able to to bring the Bills down uh, below the three. Um, But, man, basically – Even odds for Dallas, Buffalo, and San Francisco to win. Connor, uh, where am I wrong here? That is a square parlay, I know, but it looks pretty damn good.
2: Well, I want to ask you guys how you guys feel about the Bills because, I mean, I know that the Jets played them really well, but these are are your guys' Super Bowl team. So, like, how are you guys feeling after this week? Because, I don't know, still didn't look pretty. Didn't look pretty. Yeah, yeah, you want me to ask about the Cowboys? The Cowboys are – my boys over there are are looking great, but, uh, no, I don't know. Clark, any thoughts on Josh Allen? Just one week, just Jets defense. Like, I mean, yeah, I kind of, yeah.
1: I feel fine. I mean, I I feel a little disappointed in his performance, but I feel fine overall. They're healthy, you know. They're still they're still gonna be good.
0: He just took some shots he didn't have to take. Like they, they you know, there was some like layups, and he's forcing the ball down the field. Like they're moving the ball, and he's forcing him down into double coverage. Just a few of like the Wyoming Josh stuff that we saw occasionally last year. That sometimes. I don't know. So maybe it just seems like a lack of focus occasionally, like the double, like you miss the the snap and then you don't tuck it properly. And then you fumble, like just like little stuff like that you can't do. So he's got to tighten it up, but I'm with Clark. I mean, the defense also played exceptionally well. They're healthy. They're going to figure that out. They're going to get Vaughn Miller back at some point. I feel pretty good about, uh, about Buffalo. Like digs look good. They could do some stuff like they didn't, I don't know. I I like I like them still. I like them still. I just think the Jets are going to be one of the better defenses in the league too. So,
1: yeah, when you you look at you know season long, it's like the Bengals on the road against Browns is going to be one of their toughest games of the year. The Bills on the road against the Jets on Monday Night Football on nine eleven that's going to be one of their toughest games. Even even with Zach Wilson, the way the defense, the way the Jets defense played was just incredible. Um, and you know, losing on a punt return, uh, like, yeah, it th- things happen, right? Like when the game was on the line, the Bills needed a field goal. And Josh Allen willed his way down the field to get them within field goal range and send the game to overtime. Um, and then in overtime, I don't know what they were doing. You know, start with a false start. They get first, second and 15 on an incompletion. And they run the ball for like three. It, it, those kinds of things are like, I, they don't worry me long-term. They worry me. I'm like, why did you do that? Like, that was a problem. If I'm glad I didn't bet on the Bills that game because that would have been really frustrating to watch. Um, but Long term, no. The Bengals, fine. Bills, fine. Chiefs, fine. Like they're 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 the best. They're the cream of the crop. And and there'll be some challengers. There'll always be some challengers. But um I feel fine about it. I'll uh,
2: I'll I'll go back to your parlay then on that on the Bills. Um, I feel like they. I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. But I thought that the Raiders played uh, a smidge better than I anticipated. At least offensively, I think Jimmy G ended up you know whatever tops in the league in EPA and CPOE composite or whatever.
0: Um, You're going to look at me with a straight face and tell me that the Raiders are going to Buffalo and win. <laughs> no, I
2: can't. No shot. But I mean, I mean, hey, you told us to poke holes. I mean, like, <laughs> I guess that one's maybe the flimsiest. I don't know, the Jets, Cowboys. Maybe the Jets shut down the Cowboys and get another, like, scrappy win. Like, I don't know. I can't poke too good of a hole.
1: You've got – okay, I'll give you all three, right? Jimmy Garoppolo oh was fantastic last week. He was absolutely last fantastic. He was really uh, Matthew Stafford was even better. Matthew Stafford was the best quarterback in the league last year – or last week, sorry. Uh, his performance was incredible so you're gonna you're gonna need both those guys to not win and then the third team is a team that beat the best team in the nfl so yeah those you know sure play your survivor parlay but
0: <laughs> should we oppo parlay the other three
1: cards yeah it's all, like three, all three, all win. three. yeah <laughs> three and oh, baby
0: now i'm pushing it in as i'm going to put it as an official play now because you, <laughs> oh you guys are are <laughs> dra- dragging it I want, <laughs> I want i want it on the books Uh, as an official play typically wouldn't put something like that as an official play but now you guys are taking the opposite side actually telling me at the start of the show to not worry about one week of football and i'm getting sold a (laughs) bill of goods that jimmy garoppolo and matthew stafford are the problems to these parlays and i'm just i'm not i'm not buying it so So
1: what
0: else what else do you like clark anything else on the board that uh caught your eye or um,
1: we were talking about this before the show. Like, I don't, I don't lean into totals as much. I don't have as much confidence because I don't have a model. But I kind of like the under on Thursday night football under forty nine. Um, the Jalen Hurts is not the best at dealing with quick pressure, uh, even when the defense isn't that great. We saw that last year when they played the Cardinals in a twenty to seventeen game that that Jalen Hurts just didn't look comfortable. Um, I think the Vikings are going to pressure him and force him to make quick decisions. And that's going to be inconsistent. And then on the other side of the ball, the Vikings might be down their best two offensive linemen. And that's, you know, cluster injury and the offensive line is always an issue that makes the injuries on the Eagles defense less concerning to me. If I'm betting the under, we saw last year, these teams played under, you know, we saw last week, both these teams played under, I think this is a, um, an uglier game than people think, especially on Thursday night football in Philadelphia.
0: Yep, some injuries to watch in that one. We obviously get answers there sooner than later. Um, Connor, anything on the board that's caught your eye? Giants
2: team total over uh 22 and a half against the Cardinals. Um, I mean. I know obviously they looked like shit last week, but I think the Cowboys are really good and they actually looked fine on their first drive until they like fumbled. And then like, basically it was like everything went wrong. Like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for them. You know, it was just like little things here and there, like random interceptions. Now I don't, that being said, I don't think they're going to be like good on the season. And I think Arizona at least looked feisty for, I don't know, half the game, you know, they looked pretty good on, on offense. But again, it's like, you have to put all these things in context. They looked okay against Washington, right? Like, you know, Washington's offense. And then like, New York Giants struggled mightily against Dallas. So it's like, you combine those two there, I think that the Giants probably regress in a reasonable way here. Like, I'm not expecting like a 40-point outing, but I think, you know, 23, 24 points seems uh, to be a very reasonable outcome here.
1: You, you want to hear my stat of the day, side of the week? Let's hear uh, it. When I run my, my EPA numbers, I exclude garbage time by 4%. So anytime the game is outside of a 96% chance win, I exclude data. The Giants' offensive EPA per play was like, negative point eight five in that game
0: oh it's <laughs> hard to do i've wow. never seen that I mean, It was garbage oh, yeah. time
1: pretty fast so yeah, right was that was like what it. like half the game i mean yeah, yeah much yeah but but man it was yeah it was ugly
0: i played the over on the niners team total at 26 and a half uh like that quite a bit thank god matt stafford doesn't play defense otherwise i'd have to reconsider <laughs> that being a good bet um considering he's the best player in the league last week but uh yeah i'm still just want to sell rams sell especially rams defense um you know again they i think they took advantage of uh some injuries there on the seattle i mean that game was surprising to me and then obviously the offensive linemen both going down charles cross and uh and Abe lucas i think was a problem there and hey stafford looked good Um, was decisive through the ball accurately down the field to some guys that we um, were not expecting to get involved with uh, Puka Puka and Tutu and uh, not
1: enough as good is not a good enough word for what Stafford did last week.
0: (laughs) He was excellent. He was excellent. Yeah, he was, he was excellent. And uh, we'll see. I'm going to, I'm willing to bank on that, not being a continuation, but again, Hey, if he pushes the Niners to push their pace, I also thought Brock Purdy played really good football as Well, um and kind of bullish on uh on what they can do so 26 and a half on the right side of some key numbers is uh is a line that i like too so um gosh i i did not like what i saw from carolina but i don't know that i really trust the saints on the road in the division there and a um i don't know why we get two monday night football games this week but that's the first of the two monday night football games um i a two and a half would interest me in the saints um i'm not sure what clark's numbers are or what your thoughts are on uh on saints panthers but i was not super impressed with with Bryce Young in that first game, and um, kind of thought we would have that situation considering the offensive weapons surrounding them, but the offensive line played really poorly. The defense was a problem. They like they got in and, and made things hard for Desmond Ritter, but um, I think the Saints have a lot more weapons and dynamic passing game that can punish them for that. Any thoughts on Saints-Panthers?
1: Not really. I think the
2: number's about okay. right. J.C. Yeah. Horn's out Three. too, right? They just yeah. announced that before the show.
0: Yeah. yeah. Brian Burns was a was a beast uh that dude took advantage of his rest and came in all all guns blazing and uh made life hell for desmond ritter so, so all right um you know we're dancing around some stuff you want to get the answers gotta get into discord uh, 444.com slash plans promo code week one save you 25 percent off get in there get all the bets get everything on 444 all your fantasy needs uh, all the bets all the tools all the things that we have with some tools that uh, are getting a refresh should be out on the site soon. Some other stuff is coming really excited about that. Uh, Good stuff as always again, subscribe, rate, review, thumbs up, comments, five stars, wherever you're listening, do all those things. It helps us a ton. We appreciate it very, very much. So for Clark and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next time. Thanks everybody.